Amen. Well, man, what is up, FM 72? I am so honored, truly, like so honored and excited to be here with y'all tonight. My name is Bree Odom, and I'm 20 years old. So I'm y'all's age. So we're in this thing together. Some of y'all are probably older than me. I graduated high school in 2020, so that, that good old year. Yes, we love it. But man, I live here in Waco and get the privilege to be on mission with a church here called Harris Creek. And man, it is truly a joy to be with y'all. And as we have just spent time in worship already, just preparing for these 72 hours where we are going to pray and fast and we are going to plead with God. And I just believe like, really believe that there is no sweeter, no greater time um, than you could spend in, in these next 72 hours as we stay in a posture where we are collectively saying that we are desperate for God. And so I'm, I'm believing more than ever before in this season than to stay in that posture of desperation before God is the most beautiful position for us to be in to receive all that God has for us this evening. And so I'm grateful that y'all started off in that posture this evening. So last week was the marathon. If y'all were here for the marathon, anybody show of hands, any of y'all like crazy enough to do that thing? Okay, okay. Did any of y'all like come and watch? Yeah, y'all are my people. I obviously, well, I don't know if it's obvious, but I obviously did not do the marathon. The marathon is no joke. It's known as the toughest half in Texas, which I'm from Minnesota, so I don't know how legit that is, but I'm assuming it's pretty legit. It's the toughest half in Texas, and it's no joke. One, because it's 13.1 miles, which I would literally pass away if I even attempt to do that. Two, because apparently there's a ton of hills as you like run through Cameron Park and all the things. So it is absolutely no joke. And last week I was watching it because my fiance, I'm engaged, that's pretty awesome. Yes, my, I'm obsessed with being engaged by the way, but my fiance was doing the marathon. And something to know about Cooper is that he doesn't love running not a fan of running, doesn't enjoy just doing the 13.1 mile thing. But my dad loves running. My dad, he's an Ironman. He's done more marathons than I could count. This man is an absolute beast. And so he signed Cooper up for the marathon as a father-son little moment. We joked about it being his dowry payment to marry me. But so Cooper did the marathon, and, and the first thing that Cooper said to me right when he crossed the finish was, hey, had it not been for your dad, I wouldn't have been able to finish that race. Like, had it not been for your dad encouraging me when I wanted to quit, I wouldn't have been able to finish. Had it not been your dad persevering through the hills, I would have started walking or maybe even quit. Like, had it not been for him, I wouldn't have finish that race. And I start there tonight because I believe with everything in me that we have a race to run as a generation. 
And that's the only reason that we are up here tonight. Like it's the only reason why we're gonna gather in those prayer tents and why we're gonna worship here. We have no desire to entertain you. Like we have no talents to just show. We have no dance to show you. Like we have no desire to entertain you other than the fact that we are gathering because we believe that we have a race to run as a generation. And so we're gonna talk tonight about what it looks like to chase after holiness, because in a, in a similar way uh, that Cooper would have said, man, I couldn't have finished that race had it not been your dad. I just believe that as a generation that we will not be found faithful if we fail at pursuing holiness. Like there's a lot of things we can get right. We could know a lot of knowledge. We could try to do big things for God. But if we fail at pursuing holiness, we will not finish faithfully as a generation. And so this matters because I like y'all, like if you showed up here tonight, I'm believing that you wanna see God do revival in this generation at Baylor University in Waco and to the ends of the earth. Like I, I just wanna be the generation that God would use to bring about revival. I think it would be pretty awesome and I just wanna see God do it. And people ask me all the time, like why I believe in Gen Z. And I always think it's such a funny question when people ask me why I believe in Gen Z, like our generation. And I have to be very, very clear with them when I get asked this question so there's no confusion that I have actually never had any faith in our generation. Like I have no faith. Guys, we would really screw it up. Like I have no faith in me. I have no faith in y'all. I don't think we're just this cool, crazy generation that's gonna do crazy things, but I have faith in a holy and perfect God who from Genesis to Revelation has set this rescue mission in motion that he has invited us into. And so that's why I believe that we could be the generation that could bring about revival because I just believe that God wants to use us. And I want us to have a type of faith to which we could actually believe that God wants to use us. But again, we will screw it up if we don't pursue holiness. And so I think a lot of us tonight fall into one of two buckets. Now, maybe not everyone, but I'm gonna give y'all two buckets that I think most of us can be at least prone to fall into. And so the first bucket would be those of us who do all the Christian things, right? Like we check the boxes, we go to church, we read our Bibles, we do all the things and we might look as though we are holy, we might look as though uh, we are doing the right things, but we've fallen captive to this trap of legalism and we call it holiness. And the scriptures are really clear about those type of people. The scriptures say that they are like whitewashed tombs where on the outside they appear beautiful and on the inside they are unclean and dead. And then I think, there's, an other, there's another bucket of us here tonight where we claim the name Christian, like we claim that we follow Jesus. We have that, you know, verse in our Instagram bio and people would say that we are Christians, but we make a mockery of Jesus and of holiness by the way that we live. 
We say that we claim that he is Lord, but our lives don't produce holiness. And that should be confusing to you because for someone who has been transformed by God, our lives will bear fruits of holiness. And so again, I don't know where y'all fall, but man, my prayer tonight is that by God's kindness and his grace and his love, that he would just wake us up that he would open our eyes to his glory and his holiness and that he would lead us into deeper levels of intimacy with him, that we would be the generation that would chase holiness and bring about revival. D.L. Moody says that the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. And man, I believe that there are gonna be men and women who walk out of this stadium tonight and over the next couple of days as people who are fully consecrated to God. And what it means to be fully consecrated to God means to, have, to live a life and to love God in such a way where we are living completely set apart lives. Like it means to live in such a way where we are so wrapped up in God that our whole lives are consumed with holiness. Like our whole lives are consumed with his power and his glory. And if we would be people who would leave this place and raise our hands and say, man, I wanna be someone who would be fully consecrated to God. I believe God will do really crazy things as we don't just seek to be an influential generation, but a faithful generation that would get about the things of God. And so the text we're going to dive into tonight is 1 Peter 1, 13 through 21. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up there. And we're gonna talk about what it looks like to prepare our minds to practice holiness and pursue Jesus. I gave you three Ps, so you better not forget those three Ps. <laughs> This passage was written by Peter. He was a disciple of Jesus. Peter walked with Jesus. He witnessed the sufferings of Christ. He witnessed the glory of Christ. And so Peter is writing this letter to Christians to encourage them in the midst of suffering, that they can actually have hope in the midst of suffering as they give themselves completely to God. And so we're gonna start out in verse 13. It says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. And so the first point this evening is prepare your minds. Other translations talks about this as like preparing for action. It's like almost this rolling up your sleeves, like getting ready for game time, getting ready for war time. Like as we prepare to watch Jesus come back one day, like we have to get ready. And I don't know what y'all anticipate for, what you get excited for, but obviously I told you I'm engaged. And so in this season, the thing I am most anticipating, like the only thing I can ever talk about is the reality that I will marry Cooper soon. We are 63 days away, so that's amazing. We are getting so close. And I have been anticipating that day. I've never been more excited for something in my whole life. And I don't know what that is for you. I'm also graduating in May, so that's pretty awesome. 
Yes, shout out to all you seniors. But I'm graduating May, and that's another thing that I am anticipating, something that I am so excited for. And so as you anticipate something and prepare for something, right, you're going to do all the things. So for our wedding, we're doing all the wedding planning. We're doing all the details. I'm reading these books about marriage. I'm listening, that Cooper's listening to podcasts, right? Like we're doing all the things that we think we know to prepare for this day. And for school, for some of y'all, as you prepare for summer, as you anticipate those 40-something days coming around the corner, well, you're going to be out of here, maybe still here. You're like doing all the things. You're grinding, you're doing school, you're getting all your assignments in, maybe. You're making those last memories with your friends, and we prepare in anticipation for this day. And so I love just Peter's reminder for us to wake up, to be alert, to be ready as we set our hope on the grace that is coming in Christ's second coming. Like there is a greater wedding day that is coming where Christ will return for his bride. And FM 72, like, are we preparing? Are we alert? Are we of sober mind? Are we preparing for action in such a way where we actually believe that that day is coming soon? I love the way he talks about the grace that will be brought to us in Christ's coming. Like I think often when I think about grace, I think about this past thing that I received when I came to know Jesus. But Peter points out this this future grace, like this future reality, that the only reason why we will be able to stand before God, stand before Christ, is because of the undeserved grace that we have received through the gospel. And so I wanna remind y'all tonight, no matter where you are at in your walk with the Lord, that God has just begun to show us the riches of his grace towards us. Like he has just begun to show you the riches of, your grace, of his grace toward you. And so we need to be people that would be game time ready, to be alert, to be of sober minds. And in order to get ready for Christ's return, to be all that God has called us to be and to do all the things that God has called us to do, like if we wanna be the people that would prepare in action and get about the things of God and do all the things that he has purposed and called us to do, then we need to be a people that would practice holiness. And so point two this evening is practice holiness. Verses 14 through 17 say, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. This is what it looks like, friends, to walk in obedience. We turn away from our evil desires and we practice holiness as we live here on earth. Peter says, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. My life verses are our Romans 12, one and two. I'll just sum it up for you. It talks about really this reality that, man, as believers, like we are, have been called to live as living sacrifices unto God. Like true and proper worship 
is laying our lives down before God and saying, whatever you would have to do with me, I'll do it. Like whatever you wanna do in me, do it. Living as living sacrifices. And then verse two says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. And so it's similar language here. Like do not conform to your evil desires. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. And man, I have been up close to the destructiveness of sin in my own life. And I've been up close to the destructiveness of sin in my friends' lives and in my family's life. And all I can tell you is that it kills and it destroys. And the sin in us is capable of far more than we give it credit for. And so you've all heard the quote, and I'm gonna butcher it because I'm saying it off the top of my head, but the quote of like, sin will uh, take, you lo- take you further than you wanna go, it'll keep you longer than you wanna stay, and it'll cost you more than you have to pay, something like that. And it's true. Like it destroys and it kills. And so Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is saying, do not conform to your evil desires. Run from sin, run from your flesh. Run from the thing that entices you, whether that be sexual morality, pornography, addiction, unforgiveness, gossip, people pleasing, like whatever idol it might be, it will always promise you life. It will promise you fulfillment, but those things will never be found there. You will never find fulfillment and life in pornography. You'll never find it in just being good. You will never find it in causing division or storing up bitterness in your heart. And so run from your sin. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Be nothing like the world that you see around us. Be nothing like this world that doesn't revere Jesus as Lord. Be nothing like this world around us that just does whatever they want to do, that does what is right in their own eyes. Be nothing like the world around us that wants nothing to do with submission to God's word, submission to his mission, submission to purity. Be nothing like what you see in this world. And man, I think there's some of us that like, We're not even worshiping the world because we're so caught up worshiping ourselves. I heard it said once that we all are prone to serve one God with three persons, me, myself, and I. And man, I could tell you so many moments where that has been me. And man, the reason why our evil desires cannot be God and the reason why this world cannot be God And the reason why you cannot be God is because we are nothing like him. Like, yes, we are created in his image and we have like an ability in Christ to to be like him in some regard. We like, we don't even comprehend how separate we actually are from God. We are nothing like him. We are nowhere near his supremacy. We are nowhere near his power. And so those things cannot be God of your life because they are nothing like God. And so I love uh, verse 15 where it starts out with, but 
Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. Do not conform to your evil desires. Practice holiness because God is holy. It's not be holy because it's the right thing to do. It's not be holy because it's the Christian thing to do. It's not be holy because it's the Baylor thing to do. It's be holy because God is holy. And for God to be holy, again, anything I could describe falls so short of what his holiness is actually like. But to say it in a few words, it means that God is above everything that he has created. He is perfect. He is morally pure. He is righteous. Everything that he commands is good. Everything that he wills is good and purposeful and perfect and pleasing. Everything about who he is is holy. No one compares to who he is. No one has authority like who he, or like he does. And so when we try to run to the world and to our evil desires and to ourselves to find life and freedom, they just can't be found there because God is the one who is holy. I love Isaiah 6 where we see the angels declare like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Like all, all they could say is his holiness, that his, his love is a holy love, his justice is a holy justice. His mercy is a holy mercy. And so the scriptures call us to be holy as he is holy. And so this is a call to be completely set apart. As we talked about being fully consecrated, like this is a call to be completely set apart from this world. In the, in the truths that we believe, in the words that we say, in the, in the purity that we fight for, in the mission that we give our lives for. Like holiness is not something that we possess. Holiness is something that completely possesses us when we yield ourselves to God and allow the spirit to invade us. It's not just like this attribute that we have. It's something that completely wraps us up in Christ. It's something that we can become in Christ. And I love this reminder that God who has called on you, he is worthy to be feared. Peter reminds these Christians that they are foreigners. And I love this reminder to us that this earth, this place where brokenness and sin and suffering and evil exists, like this is not our home. And so as we prepare to be with Jesus one day in eternity, like we ought to live lives that would demonstrate that we love and fear God. That you would be a girl that, that life would declare, like I love and fear God. That you would be a guy whose life would declare, I love and fear God. Second Timothy 2, 4 is one of my favorite verses. And it calls us to be soldiers. Back to that game time, wartime mentality. Like soldiers who are not entangled in civilian pursuits because our aim is to please the one who enlisted us. And so to pledge allegiance to Jesus as the one who has enlisted us means that we completely forsake the right to please ourselves. To pledge allegiance to Jesus means that we forsake the right to just do whatever we want to do 
to live however we want to live, to be led by our feelings, to be led by our preferences, to be led by this world. If we pledge allegiance to Jesus as the one who has enlisted us, then that means that our lives ought to declare that we love and fear God in the things that we say, in the things that we believe, in the way that we love, in the way that we pursue people, in everything that we do. And so it looks like laying our lives completely down for God. Like, and if that's true, if we are living lives that pledge allegiance to Jesus and aren't concerned with being entangled in civilian pursuits, then we ought to like truly stick out like a sore thumb. Like I pray that everyone around Baylor who does not know God, I pray everyone in this, people that are in this room that don't know God, I pray that they would see people around them and it would be evident that they're around people who fear and love God. And so I wanna be that type of people. And I think that's the way that we're gonna change this world and bring about revival. I had a friend who uh, had asked her boyfriend the other day, she goes to UNC RIP, I'm so sorry to bring that up, but uh, she, I know, that was so sad. Uh, I don't even, honestly, I don't even watch Baylor, so I'm hoping it was that, but, Sorry, that just was sad. But she was talking to her boyfriend the other day and she asked him uh, like, hey, what do you do when you're walking on campus and you just like are walking and someone walks by you that's like dressing inappropriately or dressing immodestly? And he responded like, man, there's obviously like the inevitable, like I'm walking past that person, like I, I see them. And he said, but you never look twice. And in a really simple way, friends, like I think that is, that's how we practice holiness. Like we never look twice. And I don't know what that looks like in your life where you are prone to make compromises. But man, I want us to be people that would practice holiness in such a way where when there's a thought to click on that link that you know is gonna lead you to a place that will rob from your purity, you don't even click. And when there's someone to set your eyes on that you know would lead you to a place of temptation, you don't look twice. You see them once and you don't look twice. That we would see the way sin destroys the people around us and we would flee in the opposite direction that we would flee from speaking words that don't encourage and uplift, words that don't unify, that when we have that thought about someone, that we would confess it and bring it to the light and not say it. Like those are ways that we practice holiness. We flee from taking just another drink. We flee from doing that next thing. We flee from going one step further away from God. We flee from buying that next flashy thing or that endless scroll. And this is the way of Jesus. And to be very clear with y'all, because I just gave you a lot of things to not do, right? To be very, very clear with y'all, the way of Jesus is not behavior modification, but it is heart transformation. 
And someone told me that years ago, and it has forever changed my life. Like the way of Jesus is not behavior modification. It is heart transformation that when we are transformed by God and when we sit with God and when we behold him as holy and glory and good and as the one who, whom our hearts long for and as the one whom we desire, like when our hearts have been transformed by God, the life that flows out of us is a life that clings to what is true, a life that clings to what is good, a life that clings to what is lovely and praiseworthy and perfect and pure. And so it's not about just making ourselves appear holy, it's about heart transformation. And so we cannot do it in our own strength. We desperately need Jesus. If I haven't said that tonight, like man, we desperately need him. We can't do anything without him, friends. And so point three tonight is a, is a charge for y'all to pursue Jesus. So verse 18 through 21 says, for you know that it was, it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealing these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. And to put it so simply, friends, like this is the gospel. Like this is the reality that ought to change everything. Like if we're gonna talk about heart transformation, this this is it. This is the reality that every single one of us, like if you are breathing right now, which I hope you all are, if you are breathing right now, then apart from Christ, there is nothing good in you. Like we, apart from Christ, are unholy. We are unrighteous. And because God is holy and separate from all that he has created, Romans 6, 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Like sin has separated us from God and the freedom that we find in the gospel is that Christ in love, he demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, like he didn't wait for us to just perfect ourselves. He didn't wait for us to try to appear holy. He didn't wait for us to put that Instagram or that, that verse in our Instagram bio and then live an unholy life. Like he didn't, he didn't wait for us to do all those things. Like while we were still sinners before the foundations of the world, like he knew and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that is a love and a truth that I pray forever wrecks us that the precious blood of Jesus a lamb without blemish or defect. Like he was completely perfect. He live, lived a completely perfect life because he is God, right? And God is holy. And so Jesus is holy. He lived a perfect life and died on a cross. He took up our sin on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become righteous, right? Like he who is holy, took up unholiness on our behalf so that we could become holy. And this is the power and the reality of the gospel that he didn't just die for our sin, 
but he rose from the grave proclaiming life and victory over death so that we would be redeemed. I love, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. I pray we would be people tonight whose faith and hope would be in God. And so if you're wondering like, man, I know I'm unholy. I know God is holy. Like, how do I become holy? Like, this is how we become holy. We surrender our lives to a God who in a crazy, just merciful way has promised to then redeem us, cleanse us, purify us, and transform us into his image. The only way you and I who are unholy apart from God can become holy is because a holy God took up our sin, raised from the grave so that we could become holy in him, be near to him and dwell with him forever. And if, if you are numb to that, man, wake up. Like I pray we would never be numb to that reality that it is by grace through faith. There is no ladder we can climb, but it is solely by the power of the gospel that we will be made holy. And so I don't know what bucket you find yourself prone to drift into tonight. Whether if it's that you do all the Christian things and you pursue legalism and you call it holiness, or if you claim the name Christian, but by the way that you live, you make a mockery of Jesus and a mockery of holiness. Or if you're in some other camp and you're like, man, I I don't even know God. Like, I just learned that I'm not good apart from him. Like, if that's you, man, tonight, I want this to be an opportunity for us to really wrestle with who we believe Jesus is. Because there are a lot of ideas out there right now in culture about who people believe Jesus is. Some people just think he was a good prophet. Some people just think he's a teacher. Some people think he was some myth. And others, and I believe a lot of you are in this room, others believe that Jesus is Lord, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I think for me, I grew up in a Christian home, and man, there was a lot of years where I believed Jesus had the power to save me from sin and save me from hell. But there were so many years, probably until the eighth grade, that I didn't actually believe he was Lord. And to believe that Jesus is Lord means that everything else has to bow at his glory and power and authority. And so, man, if we are going to be people that would run this race faithfully, we're going to have to be people that would pursue Jesus with everything that we got as he transforms us into his image and in his kindness makes us look more like him. And that is the thing that will change us, that through his grace, we can be loving like he is loving. We can, loving. We can be merciful like he is merciful. We can pursue justice and fight for justice like he fights for justice. We can care for the needy like he cares for the needy. And so I know there's people, because this is Gen Z, like I know there's people in here who wanna do big things, maybe not even for God, but just for this world. Like you wanna see this world change. And man, like we will not be able to effectively see change in this world until our world's have been eternally changed by Jesus first. 
We cannot do anything of eternal significance outside of the working of the Holy Spirit. And so, in summary, man, if we want to be the generation that would bring about revival by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we must prepare our minds, we must practice holiness, and we must pursue Jesus. I love this space because my favorite years of ministry till, still to this day were years in high school, uh, my junior and senior year of high school, where I had a few friends, some of them are actually in this room, uh, who we just wanted to see God do something. And we were really naive and we also just didn't know a lot. So I think in a really pure way, we genuinely knew we couldn't do anything without God. Like we, we knew if we wanted, we, I grew up in Minnesota. And so they're, they're not like Baylor. They, they actually just say they hate God. And they actually just are done with the way of Jesus, you know? And, and so we knew that we wouldn't see revival in our school. We wouldn't see revival in our city if we didn't depend on God. And, and so we would pray, like literally, I, I love this space because we would meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays every single week. And all we would do is we would pray and we would fast and we would beg God to do something that only he could do. And we asked that by his mercy, he might use us. And in those years, we watched hundreds of high schoolers come to know Jesus at these random student-led events that we would put on. And what we learned during those years was that if we wanted to see revival happen in our school and in our city and our families, we first needed to beg God to see revival in us. And so I want us to have an opportunity tonight to beg God to see revival in us. I think the scriptures are really clear that we are all chained to something. We are all chained to something. Some of us are chained to unholiness. Like some of us are chained to our sin. We are chained to shame. We are chained to insecurity. We are chained to the lies of the enemy. And then there's this really sweet call in scripture that we can actually be chained to holiness. Like we can actually be chained to Jesus. And so FM 72, like what are you chained to? What has you in bondage? What sin, what temptation what evil desire, what patterns of the world are you in bondage to? Because man, I believe that once we chain ourselves to Jesus, that pursuit of holiness will change everything. And so the good news is, that for those of us who are chained to unholiness, to unrighteousness, to sin, for even those of us who, who love God, like you're looking at me like, bro, you're calling everyone out and I'm, I'm kind of getting called out, but I, I really love God. Like for you, man, until we meet Jesus, 
until we are fully redeemed, there's always gonna be things that chain us. There's always gonna be things that will have us in bondage. And by the grace of God, we'll grow in freedom and we'll grow in desiring Him and wanting to be near Him. But each one of us has things that we can be prone to be in bondage to. And Romans 6:22 says, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit that you reap is holiness. It leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. And so the way of Jesus means that by the power of the gospel, we break free from the chains of sin, the things that hold us in bondage. We repent, we call on his name, and then we chain ourselves to Jesus. We become bond servants of his. We pledge allegiance to him. We fear him. We pursue him above all else. And the thing that's gonna flow out of us, guys, is holiness. And so I wanna give you an opportunity to just beg God to bring revival in you. Uh, Whatever that thing that you're thinking about, when I say unholiness or when I say patterns of this world or when I say evil desires in your heart or sin, whatever those things are that are coming to your mind, I want us to have an opportunity to throw that off and to claim freedom in Jesus as we chain ourselves to him and to him alone. And so collectively, like I want us to get up on our feet and stand up right now. And I want y'all, if that's just a posture with your hands like this, or if it's arms stretched out, I want us to declare tonight just a desperation for God. And so I'm gonna pray and I want y'all to stay here, stay in this. And as worship happens, there's gonna be care teams on the sides. If, If you need prayer, go there. Don't don't leave this night. If that's you, don't leave this night without grabbing someone and talking about what it could look like to be in a relationship with Jesus, to be holy as he is holy. Father, I just thank you, God, that you are good. I thank you, Father, that you are holy, that there is no one like you, God that you are completely separate from all that you have created, God. You are good. Everything that you command is good, Father. And so Lord, I just pray as we stand and we declare that before we go into these, these hours over the next few days of begging to see God, see you, Lord, do revival at Baylor and do revival in this city and do revival in this generation, in this nation, God, and to the ends of the earth. Before before we're asking for that, God, before we plead for that, God, 
Lord, we are begging you that you would do a revival in us. God, that you would set us free in this moment from every chain that has us in bondage, from the shame that we experience, God, from the ways that the enemy has sought to steal and kill, destroy, God. Lord, we declare freedom in you that now leads us to be bound to you, God. We don't see that as restrictive. We see that as powerful, God. That if we could just be bound to you, God, if we could just behold you, if we could just be chained to you, if we could just be near you, God, that we would watch ourselves be transformed. We would watch this world be transformed, God, because you're just faithful like that and you're just good like that. And so God, I pray that if there's someone in this room who doesn't know you, Father, and you're stirring in their heart right now, drawing them closer to your spirit, Father, I pray that they would see their sin and repent, that they would flee, but that they would see the beauty of the cross and that they would confess that you are Lord. They would confess that you don't just have the power to save, but you are Lord. And because of that, we wanna live lives that are completely yielded to you. We believe that you actually died and you actually resurrected and you're actually coming back. And so we're gonna prepare for action. God, as a generation, as we stand, we're, we're declaring that we are going to prepare for action. We're gonna roll up our sleeves and prepare and we are gonna practice holiness as we pursue you, Jesus. We love you, you are holy, you are good. And it's in your precious name I pray, amen.